Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Brad McMurphy is a college football insider for the Action Network. He has been a very busy man. College football has been very busy over the last 48 hours. Nice enough to join us now. Brent, obviously the news that we are all following, uh, not just in Memphis but around the country, is, is of course conference realignment. Colorado is heading to the Big 12. Um, just how much of a blow was that for the Pac-12? Well, it's, it's huge because, you know, usually when people leave conferences and or even if, you know, if you're going to change a job or something, you wait to see what your offer is at your current place before you go somewhere else. And the fact that they were willing to leave before they even saw what the Pac-12 meteorites deal was going to be, I think was very telling. Um, as I reported yesterday, Colorado's chancellor and AD met in person with Brett Yormark in Chicago the first week in May and had a discussion about Colorado coming to the Big 12. And so certainly this has been in the works for a while. I think Colorado's been frustrated by the lack of a meteorites deal for the past 12 months with the Pac-12 and Commissioner George Klyovkov. And also, you know, they talked about it in the press conference yesterday. This is about stability. They want to be aligned with the ESPN and Fox, and that was not going to be the case with the Pac-12. And also, when Colorado left the Big 12 for the Pac-12, um, this is not the same Pac-12. USC and UCLA are gone. Um the media rights thing is in flux and question. They don't know, you know, are they going to end up on streaming on the CW on, you know, the Hallmark channel, nobody knows. And I think that was frustrating. And also I think, uh, you know, even with all the reasons I just gave you, the number one reason was money. They're going to make more money in, in the big 12 and uh, they've got a deal set through 2031 and, you know, the stability of the Big 12 and the uncertainty of the Pac-12 was the perfect combo for the Buffs to come back to the Big 12. Yeah, it, it sort of feels like the the, the Pac-12, the future of the Pac-12 and the future of the Big 12 are very much a, a, a related discussion here. Um, but just based on, you know, and I, I've seen your reporting about what the Big 12 would like to do, based on, you know, what you've heard and what you're understanding – I mean, I, I, I guess it's hard, you know, for the remaining Pac-12 schools to have much confidence in, you know, George Klyovkov and, and this media rights deal because they don't have one, as you said. Like to, to, so how do you sort of balance the, the offer from the Big 12, which you point out is great stability, we have partners that are credible and real versus, yeah, we'd like to stay with, you know, our region and what we know, but, like, we, we have nothing to even base this offer up against. 
Yeah, and I mean, and you know, kind of the, the Colorado kind of fits. I mean, geography doesn't matter anymore, obviously, but yep. they are more, you know, geography. They probably, probably fit better with the with the Big Twelve now with BYU coming in, um, with the exception of UCF and, and Cincinnati. You know, I mean, that was their, con- you know, they were in the, it was, it was the big six back then. They were, you know, in that conference and, you know, you got the bulk of their teams there, right there in the kind of the Midwest, Southwest. And also um, another factor, you know, obviously Deion Sanders is there. Um, and I think Nebraska is a perfect example. Nebraska was in the big 12. They left. They haven't been successful since then. There's a lot of people give reasons why i think the number one reason is they can't recruit the state of texas anymore you don't have the players that you can bring from texas because you're not playing games in that state so i think that's what really intrigued Deion sanders is now we're playing games there's four teams from texas and the big 12 and so now he can go in and recruit in the homes of texas and say hey we'll be coming back here we'll play two or three games a year so you can see your sons play and so opening up the Texas recruiting um, window, you know, also was another incentive for Colorado because now you've lost the California recruiting because there's, you know, USC and UCLA are gone, at least the, the you know, U- the L.A. market. We're talking to Brett McMurphy, covers college football for the Action Network. You reported last night that the Big 12 is eyeing Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, um, Again, just I, I don't. I'm not privy to any conversations, but just based on the way this thing is going, I don't really understand why they would not go to the Big Twelve. So if we just assume that they go to the Big Twelve and and the Big Twelve wraps it up and they're done and they got the schools they wanted, what then becomes of what is left um, of everybody else in in, in the Pac-12? Like, is there going to be an appetite to go out and add, you know, the number of schools you lost, like to try to beef up that? package like what what's your understanding from the pac-12 side of things i mean it's survival at this point you know the the challenge for them is you know any schools they try to add from the mountain west for the 2024 season have to pay a 34 million dollar exit fee yep um you know if they give uh, more than a year's notice and it's only 17 million so they've missed that 17 million dollar window so now they're really in a bind uh you know if they lose if a second school comes to the Big 12, now you're down to an 18 conference. Well, you can't play seven conference games, so you're going to have to find somebody. Yep. So where do you go? Do you look for an SMU? Um, do you, you know, find someone else from the American? You know, Tulane had been mentioned previously. I don't know what they do, but they're they're going to have to consider some schools that they never would have thought they would have considered uh, 13 months ago, because if not, they're not going to survive. And then there is, you know, the, the very real possibility. It may not happen next week, next month, or even a couple of years from now that Oregon and Washington won't be long for the conference because mm-hmm. they're just waiting for that, that rose from the big 10 so they can get the hell out of Dodge. Um, and then of course, you know, being on in Memphis and I just, I, I feel like, Charlie Brown, man. I, I mean, I, I feel like we've done this. You, you know, we've had you on the show, and, you know, we, we've asked you, and, and, and it feels like every time Memphis is on that precipice, it just there's always a school or two or something that, you know, they fall behind on. Where, in your assessment, does Memphis fit into all of this? 
Yeah, I mean, you kind of buried the lead. I thought this was going to be the first question out of the gate. No, no you know? I, I, w- I wanted to kind of fake you out a little bit, Brett. No, I'm I'm ready to go. I just, you know, we're out of time now, so <clears throat> I'll talk to you next week. Um, <laughs> no, so I've been told that the the Big Twelve wants to add a Pac-12 school. They're they're going to the Big Twelve will be a 14 member league in 2024. They're at 13 right now. They want to add a Pac-12 school. If they cannot get a Pac-12 school to come on board for the 2024 season, then they will add a group of five school. I am told the four schools that they are considering are Connecticut, San Diego State, UNLV, and drumroll Memphis. (laughs) Memphis is in those four schools. And I've been on here before and said why Memphis was not a candidate. They are now a candidate. This is legit. And actually, Memphis has an advantage. Their exit fee, it's $10 million, as you know, if you provide 27 months notice. Well, you, Memphis probably would provide 27 days notice at this point. Minute, so the minutes, Brett, fee, minutes. The exit <laughs> fee, yeah, seconds. Um, the exit fee <clears throat> obviously is going to be more than 10. Does it get up to 20? I think, I think the guys that left are the Big 12. I think they paid $18 million. Well, that's a lot of money, but it's a lot better than what San Diego State and UNLV, they would have to pay $34 million. UConn would have to pay $30 million. I know what attracts, what's attractive for the Big 12 as far as Memphis is obviously, again, we say geography doesn't matter, but, you know, it would be a nice fit in there with, you know, Cincinnati and, and that, you know, helping out, you know, West Virginia on that side of the country. And also, um, don't uh, don't minimize FedEx's role in this. The fact that you have a a large large corporation that would back Memphis um, that could pay off, um, you know, for for the Big Twelve. And again, the with you know everything I've said in the last you know twenty minutes, it all boils down to money. Mm-hmm. So if FedEx is willing to be a you know big part of this and however they would do that with uh, sponsorships or backings or whatever it is i don't have any details on that uh, that obviously would be, be big for memphis so if you want memphis in the big 12 and i'm sure <clears throat> excuse me everyone that's listening does you need to hope and pray every night before you go to bed that the pac-12 does not have any schools go to the big 12 because that's the only way the Big 12 will not take a Pac-12 team. And I, I think that is where I, I, I'm just in – I have such a hard time, Brett, getting my hopes up. As a Memphian, as a Memphis graduate, I have such a hard time getting my hopes up about this scenario because, like, wh- what does it even look like for, you know, one more Pac-12 team not to take that – stability route like it just it would seem crazy to me that that at least like one wouldn't do it like that's where I like I I, I believe you obviously I know you're hearing it and I, and I believe it to obviously be the case but it just it just feels far-fetched for me to imagine a world where at least one Pac-12 team doesn't take that route yeah I mean it's I don't I I'm not I don't think it's automatic I think I would guess it's probably likely that one of those guys would move. But again, maybe if they, you know, if Klyovkov gets them a meteorites deal and, you know, now you're dividing the pie by nine instead of 10, Mm, uh, the money's actually a little bit better than they thought it would be. 
you string a bunch of networks together and streaming and, you know, it adds up to, you know, a, a decent number. Then you, then you decide to stick around for four or five years and, and see what happens. So it's a possibility. Okay. I mean, look, the good news is you're at least, you're at least in the, in the running. Right. I mean, before, you know, nothing against Memphis. I'm just telling you what I, what I hear. They had no shot, you know, when the big 12 expanded before. And I told you guys that, and people didn't want to believe it. And, you know, we won't go down that route, but anyway, now you actually, you're in the running, you know, at least you have that chance. It, you know, are the odds in your favor? No, but you, you have a chance, you know, cue dumb and dumber. But it's better than not being. It's better than being a Group Five school that's not among those four teams. That's true. And then the, the question is, if they don't get a Pac-12 team, you know, what the deciding factor will be? I don't know. They right. they will figure that out, and that will a lot of things will come into play. Um, but you know, at least at least um, at least you're on the board right now to your point there are a lot of group of five schools that aren't uh, and uh, and so I there's 60 that aren't yeah, yeah exactly so it's it's certainly a, an indication of you know look they the Memphis has put in a lot of work they've they've you know transformed their academics they've worked really hard on that and I think this is a testament to you know hey you know as you mentioned in 2016 you know Tulane was ahead of you uh, and, uh, and I know Big 12 didn't expand but you know that was sort of a, a, an awakening there a humbling for sure I guess we're talking to Brett Murphy covers college football for the, the Action Network um, if in fact it does not happen for, for Memphis and for any of these group of five schools right um, it, it, I, I know it's not maybe it's not it but like is it the end like I mean what is the, the new landscape going to look like when you know, this round of realignment comes and goes and the Big 12 shuts the doors and and uh, they're happy and the, you're never getting into the Big 10, you're never getting into the, AC, you know, the SEC. Like, what are you waiting around for if you don't get in this go-around? Well, I think, I think we're at the start of the last big musical chair of realignment. And it, it's starting now. We may pause for a couple of years. And then it, it will end, and the ending of it will be if and when some ACC schools try to get out of their grant rights. They have 13 years left. They're not waiting. They're not waiting 13 years to get out. The unknown is: can any ACC schools get out of that deal with the ACC because of that long-term agreement? We've seen, you know, there's been a dozen schools in the last 12 years that have left or changed Power Five conferences. Well, all those schools had a, a year, maybe two years max left on their meteorites deal. It's one thing to get out with a year or two left. It's another for 13 years. The ACC is not going to just let those schools walk, walk out scot-free. So on top of a $120 million exit fee, you've got to basically have your group of lawyers figure out a way to get out what's been called an ironclad grant of rights agreement. But I still think some schools are going to try. So I guess answering your question, once the ACC schools, if some get out, when that happens, then all hell breaks loose. The Big Ten goes to 20 schools. The SEC goes to 20 schools. Um, I think Oregon and Washington, you know, head to the Big Ten. The SEC will be fighting over, and Big Ten will be fighting over North Carolina and Florida State. Uh, Miami, you know, will go to the Big Ten. 
you know, does Notre Dame finally ever make the move? I don't know. So at that point, um, the ACC would have to add schools. So Memphis would have an opportunity there. Um, under that scenario, I don't even know if the Pac-12 exists. Do they merge as crazy as it sounds? Do they kind of merge together with the Mountain West to create a Western conference? Um, so I think it, at that point, after the Big Ten and the SEC get up to 20, then it's done at that point. The question, the question at that point is if the Big Ten and SEC are going to have any other conferences that will compete with them, or will they kind of go off on their own and do their own little thing, and one will be the AFC, one will be the NFC, and they'll do their own little playoff, and the, the winner will play for college football Super Bowl. We don't know that, but they are they are the King Kong. I call them the King Kong and Godzilla. You can um, figure out which uh, monster you prefer for which conference, but they are light years ahead of everyone else, and that is never going to change. Mm-hmm. So the question is, can any other schools land in some of these remaining so-called power conferences um, to kind of stay afloat? So for Memphis, if they don't get into the Big 12 this go-around, is to hope when all these movements are made that maybe they can become the 16th team in the Big 12 or maybe they can get in to the ACC when they have to add members when they lose teams to the Big Ten and SEC. But I think that's a, that's a few years down the road. But I think when that ultimately happens, then I think we're, then I think it's, it's done. And yeah. what it looks like at that point, who knows? And I know I report a lot about this. I hate realignment. <laughs> what it does to yeah no it's real it's a real thing it's a it real sucks. detriment i'm a college i'm a college fan i love college athletics i mean i have to cover it you know i've had a lot of success covering it but i don't like it and i i hate that there's no southwest conference anymore i hate the whack is gone um you know the pack it's crazy the pack 12 literally may not exist in five years and i don't like that that's not good for the sport but it's money driven, and that's where we're headed. And it's becoming, um, it's a professional model, and that's unfortunately where we're headed. It's just so much work, Brett, to just to watch Nick Saban and Kirby Smart trade championships. You know, like it's just a lot of work just to watch those two dudes win the title every other year. You know. Well, everyone that complains about you know Alabama and Georgia winning, there's there's one way to stop complaining, and that's beat them. But you know, until somebody beats beats them you know you can't really do anything and we're going to the 12 team playoff i think obviously more teams will be involved more more teams will will later in the season we'll have a realistic chance to get to that playoff but we can have a 12 team playoff or we can have a 64 team playoff <laughs> exactly <But hopefully laughs> it's going to come down to this those we're going to have the usual suspects probably playing um you know in the semifinals every year yeah like i honestly like I just I just sort of refer to uh, Bama and Kansas State in the bowl game last year. Everybody was trying. Everybody cared about it. Kansas State was having this dream season, and Bama just wiped the floor with them. And I just sort of expect that to be what the 12-team playoff – look, we'll watch it and we'll love it and all of that. But, you know, th- this idea that we're going to wind up with, you know, different teams in championship, I think that's asinine. Yeah, people are hoping that you know more teams means a different champ. They're they're sadly mistaken. So enjoy the enjoy the opening two rounds, and then just uh, I guess turn off your TVs. Exactly, Brett. Great stuff as always, man. We know you're ripping and running. Thanks for the time as always. 
All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. He is Brett McMurphy, covers college football for the Action Network. Good stuff from him. Look, I mean, you're, you're peddling hope. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That's your job, um, you know, if you're Memphis. And, and, and look, there's an indirect roundabout way maybe. And, and, and look, I think the most compelling case for the Pac-12 remaining intact is that what he said about the if you can get stumble into a media deal and you only have to split nine ways now. We need them to get a deal done. Yeah, oh, there's no question about that. And if they do, especially with that $10 million short short buyout, you know, and you can give it and then you got all those months. Like, okay, it's 27 months, though, so it's not going to – you're not going to have a t- – it's going to be higher than 10 because you're not given 27 months. You're going in 2024. Which is fine, but it ain't 35. No, it's not. We don't know exactly what the number is, but it certainly seems like it's less than 35. Love it. So, Love it. Um, Get your it, media deal, Pac-12. It's remote, but um, you know it is a possibility. And as Brett said, you were not in consideration before. You are in consideration now, which is certainly a, a sign of improvement. Uh, we'll come back. Jeff Borzello is going to join us at 125 when we come back. Get into Memphis basketball with him, the addition of Jaquan Walton, and more. Stick around. Jason and John, how do you turn FM? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law ESPN. Guests appear on the Superbook Sports phone line. Superbook Sports, now open with better odds and favorable prices. With Jason and John, live from the Topps Barbecue Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. It has been a very busy summer for the University of Memphis men's basketball team. Penny Hardaway added another player to the roster yesterday in Jaquan Walton, and there may be yet another addition. Jeff Borzello covers college basketball for ESPN. He joins us now. Jeff, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. How are you? Is there a coach in college basketball that uh, works as like close to the clock as Penny does in terms of assembling rosters? Well, I remember when I was on in the spring, on here in the spring, I said, I hope Penny has something up his sleeve for the summer because the, the roster as is is not even close to being a you know top 25 caliber team. And then suddenly he's pulling out Javon Quinterly and Jaquan Walton. And, you know, if DeAndre Williams gets a waiver and he's got the Croatian kid on his radar now, 
It's, it's just it seems like every summer he finds a way to, you know, either unearth some gems from from the portal, from overseas, reclassified kids, and it's worked. And it seems like it's going to work again. He calls them blessings, Jeff. <laughs> well, well, I mean, if you want to use that, that's that's fair. I'm going to start using that now. Yeah. Kenny, <laughs> Kenny has great blessings in the summer. That's 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 worked. Yeah. You know, it, it is amazing that uh, like it. <sighs> Like I find myself wondering, is this sustainable, right? Like because it just feels like whether it was like two years ago, it was uh, Amani Bates and Jalen Duran. He got to reclassify in August, which sort of saved that, uh, you know, the prospects of that season. And then this season, he ends up getting the guys, you know, in in, in you know whether it's David Jones, that was June, uh, Jordan Brown, June, Javon Quinnell in July, Jaquan Walton July. This Croatian kid's going to be August, perhaps, maybe September. Who knows? Like, is that is that a sustainable way to attack it in college basketball in, in, in this day and age? It's funny because it's really unclear what is sustainable for any program. I mean, like, the, the portal window being open until May, it seemed like, okay, well, you kind of have to have your roster set after that. But because grad transfers can enter at any time, then, you know, that extends the – the timeline for, for building your roster until almost indefinitely, basically until school starts in August. And so is it sustainable to say, all right, we'll always find three or four guys in July and August. I mean, probably not, but we would have said that three years ago mm-hmm. and it's been pretty sustainable for him. And it's, I mean, it's not, it's not just them. I mean, Kentucky badly needed a big man and suddenly Trey Mitchell appears in the portal in July or late June or whatever that was. And now they have their starting five men. Um, you know, St. John's needed another experience forward. And then Chris Ledlam appears, decommits from Tennessee. He's back in the portal. They get him a week later. Kids decommit, uh, you know, high school seniors decommit, and they're suddenly back on the market. So the the timetable for assembling your roster, or at least finalizing your roster, it's getting later and later. And so, you know, on paper, this is not sustainable to get four guys in the summer that might play significant minutes for you. But, you know, Given the way things are going in college basketball, it's really hard to argue by say, argue with him saying we're going to find guys in the summer because it's worked so far. I'm going to ask you just about your 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 philosophical thoughts on on Memphis as a, as a as a as a program as a as a team here momentarily, but but as it relates to just what the way Penny has done it is this, and again, like it's the game, everybody's playing the same game. But is the the fact that you know whether it's David Jones or or Jordan Brown or you know Quinterly or you know in the case of Walton who was committed to UCF is the fact that all of this is happening you know past the transfer portal window closing there in May like and I know graduate transfers can leave anytime they want but is this sort of a snapshot of why you hear college coaches complain about how hard their jobs have gotten because they're they're losing guys in August. Yeah, I mean, I think college coaches are going to complain either way. That's just kind of <laughs> what they do, what they do. But it, it's part of it. it. It is, and and it's you know, Rutgers was probably hit harder than than anybody. They lost their two best players after the deadline, and you know, for for Rutgers, I mean, there's just not enough guys, not enough high major players left in the portal for them to go get and replace their starting backcourt. But you know, there's Memphis has they did a good job of of convincing guys. You know, Quinterly was it seemed like he was going to be in the fold at Alabama, and then suddenly he's out. And then Jaquan Walton is another one that seemed like he was pretty set on going to UCF, and then Memphis came in and said, hey, you know, play for us, and he did. And it's just – I mean, I guess it's it's part of the reason coaches complain because they, they're kind of 
expecting to play with Javon Quinterly as a starting point guard or Jaquan Walton as a starting two guard, and then they're gone. And it's there's just not enough left to go get. But, you know, like Memphis is showing, there are players out there. I mean, you can go overseas and find somebody. You can go get you can go get a kid to reclassify uh, and, and, and reclassify to 23 and, and enroll in school in the fall. There, there's options out there. You know, they're not going to be as good usually as the players that Memphis are getting or the guys that Rutgers lost, but there's options out there. But, again, I mean, coaches are going to complain, and I do think there is something to the the recruiting calendar issue. I think that's probably a bigger issue than the portal. To me, the portal, I don't get why you'd want to narrow the, the portal window and close it earlier in May. Like, to me, you should have it open until after the NBA draft deadline, the withdrawal deadline. Because if you close it in early May and guys can either keep their names in the draft or go back to school in early June, I, I just think coaches are going to complain about that. And so I, I just think you kind of have to, you know, I know maybe things have kind of swayed a little bit too far to quote-unquote player power, but I think you kind of have to, to cater to that now just because that's the way we're going with NIL and everything like that. Why wouldn't you want to prolong your window for setting your roster? Because there's going to be guys leaving at all times of the year. You should be able to or you should want to have avenues to replace those players right it's it's a zero-sum game if you if you you know lose a player you got to replace them you know um so i mean it's 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 you know you got to give yourself you know time to do that um in your most recent uh way too early top 25 earlier this month you did not have memphis in the top 25 will you have memphis in the top 25 based on their recent moves for now i'll still say no if if you told me deandre williams was going to get his waiver i would say yes okay because I think with him, with him in the lineup, I think that they're they're one through seven, one through six, is as talented as as you know anyone outside the top eight in the country. I mean, you, you know, with Quinterly in the fold, you don't need Caleb Mills to play the point. He could play the two and focus on scoring. Yep. You know, with with Jaquan Walton, he adds experience. He adds shooting. He's a forty percent three point shooter, and that kind of to me gives him the edge over a you know David Jones if you need it, if you want one of them to play the three. Jonathan Pierre has size. He can make shots. That's another guy on the wing. Now you throw DeAndre Williams in at the four, versatile, experienced, well, obviously more experienced than anyone else in, in the sport. Um, and then you have Jordan Brown, assuming he, he gets to play the full season. I mean, that's a, a really, really talented starting five plus, you know, one or two guys off the bench. Um, and so I, I think if he got a waiver, I would say, yeah, surefire top 25 team. Without him, I think they're going to have to move some things around. And I'm, you know, Jones could play the four and, Walton can play the three and Pierre can play. You know, you can make it work. It's still a really good team. It's still clearly an NCAA tournament team. But I do think Williams is kind of that X factor to push them into that top 20 conversation. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if uh, if you don't have him, it's a, it's a different equation. I think if you do have him, I, I think they're top 15. I mean, I, and I know I'm here in Memphis, but I just don't know how many programs can say they're bringing a guy like Jaquan Walton off the bench who scored 14 a game and 40% from three. A guy yeah. like Nick Jordan who started 37 games the last two years as a 6'8 big man in the AAC. Like, I, I just think one through eight, they are – they certainly I think they're top 15. I mean, I'm not going to go crazy and say top 10, but um, it sort of brings me to my next question when we're talking to Jeff Porzello, who covers college basketball for ESPN um, – you know, FAU is is an interesting case study to me because, you know, they they were again as we've talked about a stolen timeout away from not you know making any noise in the in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. Is there like how 
is it is it as easy as we're bringing everybody back? We went on a great run last year. We're gonna just do it again. Is it is it as easy as that, or when you sort of become uh, the favorite in the preseason and when you actually have expectations, living up to them is a is a different equation. Like I just, what's your probability that FAU maybe doesn't look like the team we saw? you know, go on that run in March. Yeah, I, mean, I think that a huge part of the reason they're ranked high, you know, top 10 pretty pretty much consensus, is, is mostly because of the continuity and obviously the Final Four run. And because continuity is so rare in college basketball nowadays, I think it's easier to say, well, this team that won 35 games and returns all five starters is going to be pretty good again. Yep. Um, I think there are some, like you said, I mean, there's, you know, now they have a target on their back. They're also in a better league. And the other thing is, and, you know, I don't, I don't have any numbers to back this up, but when you have a, an older team that's been around, I think there is some – you kind of know what the ceiling is. Um, you know, if you compare them to Memphis, let's say Memphis gets DeAndre Williams, it's going to be really, really hard just to compare those two teams from really any sort of personnel perspective because Memphis is going to have to put all these pieces together on paper. Is it more talented than FAU? Yeah, yep. I would say so for sure. Yep. But then you could say, well, FAU brings back five guys and they they went to the Final Four and they did X, Y, and Z. Yep. So I, I think it's a really hard kind of evaluation. If, if if you compare those two teams, it's really difficult. And it kind of just depends on what you value. And, again, I think FAU is probably a safer pick as a preseason top ten team just because, you know, you know the, the AAC, besides FAU and Memphis, is just not going to be great. They're probably going to be able to rack up wins regardless even if they're not nearly as good as the Final Four team was, and they can still probably get 27 wins. Um, so I think they're probably safer, and I think that's why it's easier to put them in the top 10. But on paper, I think Memphis's roster, if they get DeAndre Williams, is, is just more talented. It's, it's probably hard to argue that. I mean, and, and the other thing about Memphis is the way they piece it together, it is heavy transfers, and obviously it's going to take some time to, to mesh, but they're not going to be relying on a, a lot of guys that have not played at this level before. I mean, you look at a St. John's, just another team that has gone heavy portal, mm-hmm. and their best transfers, Jordan Dingle came from Penn. Ledlam came from Harvard. Um, those are guys that are going to have to acclimate themselves to the high major level. Memphis's guys are not going to have to do that. Caleb Mills has played in the ACC, and David Jones has played at two different Big East schools. And Jordan Brown, you know, his biggest numbers came in Louisiana, but he was fine at Arizona. If he puts up 10-6 and six for Memphis, that's fine. I mean, obviously, Quinterly has played at Alabama for, for decades. Um, you know, Jaquan Walton has been in the same league before and put up numbers and made shots and been great. And so I, I think that it should take them maybe a little bit less time to kind of mesh and piece it together early on just because these guys are not going to have to to adjust to playing at this level of basketball. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, a huge key. And like you said, like I, I obviously none of that guarantees a, a a deep run. I mean, there's there's still going to have to be a, a, a an assemblance of hey, come together. Be got, nobody has their own agendas, you know, and you would think that'd be easier with 23 and 24 year olds as opposed to an 18 year old reclassified Imani Bates who's playing out of position. But you know, there there are never any kind of guarantees uh, in these kinds of things. Again, we're talking to Jeff Borzello, covers college basketball for ESPN. One last question on Memphis before we go national. Um, Penny hired Rick Stansberry, and like just locally. You know, we sort of wondered, you know, why? Because Rick does what Penny does, which is like recruit really well and like get in, get inside of of players' homes and things of that nature. What do you think the the goal for for Penny in hiring Rick Stansberry was? Well, I think with the, you know, now now schools can have or programs can have more than three assistant coaches. They could have five. Uh, you know, more than three. I mean, it's still only three can go on the road, but now you can have more guys 
working out with the players and running practices and, and doing things like that, which to me enables coaches to go out and get another guy who can just get players. And you saw it with Duke. They're hiring, hiring Emmanuel Dildy from Oklahoma. He's another guy who's been a really, really good recruiter. And so now if, if you're John Shire, you could say, all right, Jay Lucas, Emmanuel Dildy, you guys go get players. You know, the rest of them will stay home and we'll work with players. It's just it, it allows you to open up spots for guys to really kind of do what they specialize in. And Rick Stansberry specializes in recruiting. And so now Penny could say, hey, we have guys back here. They can work out with the players. They can run a practice. You go get us players. And it's just, you know, I think that because you have these expanded staffs, you just have more more spots to work with, and you can get guys that specialize in certain things. And, and for Memphis, I think they, you know, yeah, Penny can get a lot of players on his own, but it can't hurt to get someone else with, with deep connections and experience recruiting at the, at the high major level. Obviously, really terrifying news earlier this week with Bronny James and, and, and cardiac arrest. He was discharged from the hospital, and he's resting. Just based on uh, what you know about the situation, obviously health comes first, but is there an expectation that he does play for USC this season still? I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, obviously, it's it's not only a physical thing, it's a mental thing. Right. Um, you know, if, if you're Bronny, you know, the last time you suited up on a court, you collapsed, you had a cardiac arrest. Like, that's that's going to be hard to – Forget about. I think the the and oddly enough, the closest comparison I guess is going to be his teammate. Mm-hmm. The, you know, um, the five star kid that that collapsed last summer. He didn't play until January. Now he was in the hospital for. I mean, Bronny, based on the reports, he was discharged within forty eight hours after going to the hospital, and it, and it took his teammate a couple more days than that. So I don't know if there's a difference in severity or anything like that. I don't want to speculate. Right. But it, it seems. I mean, he was out. His teammate was out for six months before he played a game. And so I think that is, you know, that might be the timeline we're working with. Again, it, it's really hard to speculate in the different severities, things like that. But, you know, that is really the only kind of comparison we have to work with now. Uh, and then in terms of uh, high-profile situations, um, Huber Davis, like, I mean, how, how imperative is this year for him? I know, you know, you get to the national championship, but it's not as easy to live off those appearances in you know in chapel hills it is other places like how how uh imperative is this year for him i mean it's huge if, if they have another disappointing year you know the the calls for him to either be on the hot seat or or for carolina to make a move they're going to be incredibly loud i mean it's not they're not going into the season preseason number one again and so that's obviously different but they're still going to be a top 20 top 15 team right they're going to be expected to probably make the second weekend of the tournament and and compete for an ACC title or at least finish in the top three. And, you know, if, if they do have a bad year, let's say they disaster strikes, they lose in the first weekend of the tournament, or they even miss the NCAA tournament, you know, it, it goes from, oh, he made the, t- the title game in his first year to he's now coached for three seasons and he's had six good weeks. Um, so I think that that's kind of why it's so important is he has to prove that the mid-February to April run of – two seasons ago was not a fluke, and that last season was more the fluke. Absolutely. Hey, Jeff, man, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate you, dude. Thanks for having me on, man. Yes, sir. He is Jeff Borzello, covers college basketball for ESPN. Good stuff from him. We'll come back here on a Friday. Jason and John, are you trying to fan Yes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Bien. If you're about to pop the question, congrats. You need a ring to do that, though. And the best place to get over and get a ring is Robert Irwin Jewelers. They are the number one place to buy diamond engagement rings because you get more choices. But you also get something at Robert Irwin Jewelers that you won't get anywhere else. And that's peace of mind. A lot of things can happen between two adults in the span of a year. She may say yes today, but she may feel no in three months. Maybe you ain't doing what you're supposed to do. I, I, I don't know. Things can happen. So if any of that goes down, you can bring that ring back to Robert Irwin Jewelers within 365 days and get your refund. I think Robert Irwin Jewelers is the only place doing that in Memphis. And during the summer of a 1,000 engagements, you can get up to 40% off ready-to-wear diamond engagement rings. Ask now, pay later, 24-month deferred interest. Take up to 60 months to pay. So if she's putting that pressure on you, there you go. There's an option. Bigger, brighter diamonds, better prices. Robert Irwin Jewelers online at rijewelers.com. You guys remember uh, Ron Bell? <laughs> Is that the Josh Pastor guy? He's going to need a few more issues of National Geographic oh, no. because he has just been sentenced to 33 months in, in federal prison. Whoa. He's yeah, a weirdo, dude. He pleaded guilty to uh, one felony count of conspiracy to commit extortion. This, of course, yeah. Is related to uh, the false accusation uh, around Josh Pastner and uh, wow. and uh, Ron Bell's girlfriend. Uh, so he got 33 months. This is what uh, US, he deserves it. U.S. Attorney Ryan K. Buchanan said in a statement: Ronald Bell tried to extort Georgia Tech and ruin the reputation of its basketball coach. As federal prosecutors, we have a responsibility to the citizens of this district to pursue accountability and justice for crimes of sexual violence. But in this case, Bell attempted to exploit the mission of our office and law enforcement partners to combat sexual assault through a brazen effort to enrich himself at the expense of Georgia Tech and a member of its staff. He has now been held accountable for his wow. crime. You know, and I will say, like, do you remember when he was on Parrish's show? I do. He I came do. on our radio station. Yes. Uh, and find that audio someplace. Unfortunately, because it just sort of allowed him to spew his garbage, which is clearly uh, all there is to him. Uh, and I feel bad for uh, yeah, for Josh, who, I do too. whose name was really drugged through the mud. Yep. Um, you know, and, I mean, this was it was bad. A four to, to or five see, year process. It has, it, you're right, but the second paragraph is terrible judgment on Josh's part in general for allowing this Klingon to hang around. Well, I don't think he was at this time. I mean, I don't think he was hanging around by the time that these Not allegations by, were made. No, well, because he was extorting him from his prior relationship yeah. with Josh. So you know, I mean, look. Josh is just trying to be a good human being. I mean, oh, I, I, I it's hard for yeah. me to, you know, get you. be upset with him because he was trying to be a good human being. I mean, I'm not should, upset. Should, should he have cut him off earlier? Yes. Sure. But in the end, this was a Ron Bell problem, not a Josh Pastor problem. No question. And, uh, and you know, it's just, quite frankly, um, 
it's disgusting to me that you would even attempt to do this to a to somebody that was kind to you, that was open hearted with you, um, you know, and really just tried to be the best possible, you know, human to you. It, you know, people take uh, kindness for weakness and advantage of it all the time, and this is no different. I think it's the reason why I cut off weirdos super early, because unfortunately we're in a world where you get guys like this that if you give them an inch, man, they jump in the hole. Yeah, I, I think Josh, you know, he, he wants to get people to live for the doubt. You know, I oh, mean, I love it. It's one of the things that's great about him. But um, I wonder if he if he's still so um, open about everything. You know? Yeah, I don't know. He's you know obviously he's not coaching now, but you know I did look. This was this was 2016 when this happened. Right. I mean, this was in terms of the accusation. Um, so this was seven plus years. Uh, you know, in the making of trying to get your name cleared. Now, I, again, I, I think most people by now understood that Ron Bill was full of crap uh, <laughs> yeah, and understood that, like, Josh was not did uh, not do the things that no. he was accused of doing. Of course not. Um, but still, you don't officially get that until, uh, really until uh, he pleads guilty, which was, when did he plead guilty? I don't remember, I don't know exactly when he pled guilty, but um, you didn't get that until, that was March. Yeah. So March 2023, you go seven years without that official... Uh, you know, clearing of your name, it's just brutal, man. It's brutal, and I again, I, 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 I sympathize so brutal. much with Josh. He was just trying to, you know, he, had, he there was here's this guy who is clearly, you know, gone through a lot in his life. Yep. And Josh wants to help, and Josh wants to, uh, you know, lend a hand and 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 maybe help this guy in his life. And and this dude, you know, accuses him of just some heinous things and, and drags his name through the mud. And mm. you know, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt all the time. You know, that's your natural thing, but there are some just twisted people out there yep. that do not have good intentions. Um, and it's not easy to say, oh, I, you know, I know this guy's a weirdo. Sometimes you don't know until it's too late, right? Sometimes you don't know until it's it's uh, it's already happened. But at least he gets – I know that today is a, is a great day for Josh. Like he's, Oh, yeah. He was never going to seek anything uh, in litigation. He was never going to mm-hmm. seek anything in terms of um, – you know, a, a, a lawsuit. Right. He wanted his name cleared. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I just knowing Josh, I think that was clearly the most important thing mm-hmm. to him. And now, look, Ron Bell's got 33 months to think about this, uh, which is wow. it's almost three years. That's a long ass time, man. I mean, <laughs> that is a long, long time. Well, so, I hate it for Josh because when you're when somebody's extorting you, and and we know Josh's a good dude. We just know that. Yep. I mean, anybody who's met him or is in, you know. He's he's this people take advantage and this guy clearly took advantage and it is it's good it's a good day for very him. very good so anyway that news uh, that news just came across and then uh, real quick before we get out of here some NFL news Jalen Ramsey just underwent uh, full meniscus surgery of course the talented DB there for uh, for the Miami Dolphins and he is out until December full meniscus cool. repair um, he was a big part of their defense this year and. You know, look, you had the Joe Burrow injury that we talked about earlier in the show, uh, the calf strain, I should say. Um, And now you got Jalen Ramsey the first week of camp. I mean, you got two big stars. Yeah. Thankfully for the Bengals organization, it's it's just going to cost Joe Burrow his preseason. But, man, I mean, you you have so many injuries already. Jalen Ramsey's a star, and uh, I doubt they bring him back. I mean, I guess they could if they're in in the hunt, but, man, you hate to see that if you are a Dolphins fan because he was a big part of uh, what they were going to do this year defensively. So, anyway, that's the news in the NFL. It's going to do it for us today. It's going to do it for us this week. Thanks to Jeff Borzillo. Thanks to 
Brett McMurphy. Thanks to Jason Smith. Thanks to Anthony Sane for joining us on the show. Giannotto and Jeffrey are up next. Don't miss it. For Jason, I'm John. We're gone. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.